This is Spotlight on Lead Poisoning, brought to you by Southern United Neighborhoods, a nonprofit that works on environmental issues and helps people buy their own homes and fix their credit. Call them at 1-800-239-7379 or go on the web at southernunitedneighborhoods.org for more information. My name is Marie. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and um, your company? Okay. Uh, my name is Alyssa Conti. My company is Purpose Green and Gold. And what do you guys do? So right now, the company is producing and manufacturing wooden Mardi Gras beads. And so the beads themselves are created overseas. Um, and then we bring the loose beads in here and then hand string and design them locally. And um, one of the reasons we were interested in this is because a lot of people are concerned about um, the pollution that comes with Mardi Gras, right? You have all these plastic beads that end up in our drainage systems, and also a lot of people are worried about um, lead poisoning because the beads that they mass, the plastic beads have um, a high content of lead. And so we work on lead poisoning education, and a lot of the parents we work with are very concerned about their kids continuing to be poisoned. You know, a lot of toddlers chew on the plastic beads, so it is a major source of um, lead poisoning in the city. How did you get involved in trying to find alternatives to the plastic beads? Um. I got involved because I have ridden in, in Mardi Gras parades really since I was a child, but started again uh, about three years ago as an adult and was just really disgusted, honestly, after my first year seeing all of the trash and all of the waste and um, just how much we as riders put into it monetarily and time-wise for a lot of it to just be unwanted by the people who are at the parades. And so that was when I started first just looking for other items that I thought people would want um, and that if they didn't want, if it didn't end up in somebody's hands, that would at least be biodegradable or um, non-toxic to the environment in its disposal. And then through that process, um, really just started doing even more research and finding out about things that were also issues with uh, specifically the Mardi Gras beads we had been using, such as lead poisoning like you're talking about. And um, it just became so clear to me that continuing to use plastic beads um, was just not an option. Like it wasn't enough just to source other throw items that the beads themselves needed to be replaced as well. And so that's when I started looking at the wooden beads that I'm currently using and making sure that they were a safe alternative. And so the, the beads that I use are all dyed and not painted. And what that means is that you don't have that chance of lead poisoning in the same way that you do with um, the plastic beads that we bring in. Yeah, and there seems to be a lot of waste with the plastic beads, right, because they just throw out whole bags of them, and they're just on the ground everywhere. People don't even really want them. 
because I think people like the higher quality of the better throws, don't you think? And that's what they take home? Absolutely, and I think that that's really evidenced by the rise of the signature throw. You know, when you look at crews today, what they really focus on and what they are gaining ridership involvement in is the, the handmade signature throws. And so you have crews like Muses and Nyx and Cleopatra and King Arthur. I mean, I don't know any major crews right now, Morpheus. They're all, you know, that aren't doing the signature throw. And it, it could have been something, you know, that crews brought in pre-made, but what they saw is that the handmade signature throw, the uniqueness of each item being individual and people knowing that somebody spent time and energy creating that piece of art, that's what made it compelling and that's what made people want to keep it. And so I think that, you know, that goes to show that we need more of that in Mardi Gras and that we really need to go back to kind of the roots of Carnival in the handmade, you know, specialty nature of it. Yeah, because people want that Zulu coconut, right? They don't want some bag of plastic cheap beads. And so have you been having conversations with different crews about changing to more sustainable options? I have not had a chance yet. This whole endeavor really started um, about six months ago as, as a personal endeavor for me to try to source items for myself that were a little bit better. And then I just very quickly realized that, you know, I wasn't alone and that there are so many writers that are looking for the same solutions. And um, really no one was answering that call. And so I just kind of looked around and said, well, if not me, then who? and um, decided to, to make a go of it. And so I haven't really had the opportunity to scale in the way I would have liked to this carnival season, but looking forward to next season, I've already talked with a couple of the other manufacturers of eco-friendly and specialty items, um, and we're hoping to put together some sort of comprehensive package between us. And so I've, we've been talking between uh, myself, Atlas Beads, who does the uh, paper beads, mm -hmm. and Grounds Crew, who does um, the more locally sourced eco-friendly throws. So this year, one of the big items that they were doing were the um, prepackaged local food items. So it's dried red beans and rice, dry um, coffee, and dry jambalaya that are all these individual serving sizes that people could buy as throws kind of both to promote local culture, um, but also as an eco-friendly option because it's food. And so we're hoping to do some sort of, of comprehensive package between all of us so that someone could, you know, kind of do a one-stop shop for eco-friendly items instead of having to source them individually from all these different places. Yeah, that's a good idea because then it makes it more accessible for people. Just to say we're going to get this package deal um, exactly. because I think a lot of – People are concerned about the environment these days and climate change, and you almost feel guilty if you're out there, you know, participating in something that's just contributing to more pollution for a city that's already overrun with pollution. Absolutely, and I think it, it's important to note, too, because 
you know, I, I recognize that what I'm doing is not perfect, right? Like when you talk about the impacts of climate change, just the, the act of bringing in beads from overseas is a huge um, burden carbon-wise on the environment mm-hmm. because they have to be shipped here. And um, also wood is not the most sustainable source if we were talking about um, really upscaling to replace plastic beads. You know, that's still not, I think, the answer. And I view kind of what I'm doing as a stopgap until we can find the next best thing. And I just think it's important for other people who are looking for, for alternatives or looking to start new initiatives that are existing in this space to know that, you know, perfection really can be um, a, a preventative tool to progress. And so I think it's important to just take whatever steps you can in the right direction as you can take them and not worry, you know, necessarily about being perfect in, in your eco-friendly, you know, goals, but to just do whatever you can. And sometimes that means, you know, replacing some of your throw items with wood or some of your throw items with something that's been recycled, like from art. Um, and then that, that aspect of reusing an item is still an eco-friendly aspect that is better than doing nothing. Yeah, I think that's an important point because a lot of people feel like, you know, it can never be good enough or and things are not going to be perfect, right, because we've really gotten away from manufacturing in this country, right? So most of our items do come from overseas, and there's all kinds of issues with that. But if we could encourage people to use different products, then maybe we can start manufacturing them here, you know? But if we don't take the step to say we're looking for alternatives and something better, and a lot of times it's more expensive, right? And so people have to say, well... You know, obviously, they're going for the cheap plastic beads because it's more affordable or whatever, but then you have to look at, well, if I spend a little bit more for some quality throws that people are going to keep, you know, maybe I can invest in that. You just have to do little changes to change people's mindsets, I think. And any little help, anything helps, you know. Yes. And I think part of the changing people's mindsets as well goes along with something that you just touched upon, which is the price point. You know, when I first started this and I was talking to people about eco-friendly throws and eco-friendly Mardi Gras items, the first thing everyone said every time was, but it's so expensive. It's too expensive to do this. And, and so when I started my company, I knew that, the, that my focus was going to be on providing a price-competitive alternative to plastic, I didn't want just another specialty item. I wanted another item that was um, competitive with some of the lower-end plastic items. And so right now I'm able to sell a dozen of of my smaller beads for $18 a dozen, and some of the larger or more customized specialty beads for between $25 and $35 a dozen, which is exactly on par with their plastic counterparts. And so that was kind of my contribution to make sure that it wasn't pricing out people who wanted to make the switch, that they could make the switch for the same cost as the plastic beads 
And um, if people source items for themselves, one of the other things that I've been doing is educating people on what other items are out there that are, again, the same price as plastic but are biodegradable or recyclable or in some way more eco-friendly. And so a couple of those items that I'll be throwing for my own ride are things like sandalwood hand fans. So they're just a standard folding fan, but they're made of wood instead of being made of plastic. And when bought in bulk, those fans cost me 40 cents per fan, which is exactly within the price point of bulk plastic throws. Um, I was also able to purchase, um, like, socks, and in bulk were under a dollar per item. Um, I crocheted some beanies and headbands. Um, those, again, were very cheap. They were a little more time-consuming, but still, if you're talking about price point, you know, there are ways, I think, to source your own eco-friendly items that are exactly on par with their plastic counterparts. And so I think that's important, too, to know that if you want options, they're out there. Yeah, I think that's a good point because a lot of people assume, well, it's going to be way more expensive, so I can't make the switch. And they don't look at, you know, they really haven't investigated the price points, you know, and really exactly. priced it out to see. And so it's good that you've done this because then you have something you can reference to people and say, well, I did this, and it didn't cost any more than what you're doing. Because um, people just have, I know change is hard for a lot of people, right? So they just have excuses as to why they can or whatever. But um, I think your point about going back to the traditions is, you know, when it first started, people were making their own throws, right? And so yeah. you're just going back to what the true cultural history of Mardi Gras is in New Orleans, right? is more personalized, you know, handcrafted items you can only get here from New Orleans people who made it, just like people make their Mardi Gras costumes or um, the Mardi Gras Indians make their own costumes. And so you're exactly. just following that tradition. That, and um, I think younger generations will be um, following along, right, because they're the ones pushing the climate change and that kind of thing, you know. And so that's a way to appeal to them, well, to carry on these traditions, we're going to go back to the roots of the way Mardi Gras is supposed to be. It's not supposed yeah, to be I, a bunch of garbage everywhere, you know. <laughs> yes, and I definitely think that the next generation is going to be very helpful in, in pushing that initiative. But I've been very pleasantly surprised, even with some, some of the um, – <coughs> older generations that how much that they have been wanting to support this. And so, you know, my biggest customers this year were the King and Queen of Poseidon, which is a slight L parade, and they threw um, all wooden and glass beads provided by my company. And so we, we made them just under a 1,000 beads total to throw. And everything that they threw off their float was either um, biodegradable or reusable or in some way eco-friendly. And so they were throwing both the wood and glass beads, but then they were also throwing um, wooden tambourines instead of your traditional plastic tambourines. They were throwing wooden maracas instead of plastic maracas. And they were throwing stainless steel um, tumblers which, again, metal is at minimum recyclable, but 
in, in the bigger picture, it's also reusable. So instead of throwing something that's a one-time use item or, you know, a multi-use item that's made out of plastic, you're creating a multi-use item that's made out of stainless steel, which in the manufacturing of that item is a little more eco-friendly, but also is really going to last a lot longer as well. Um, and so they, you know, are not, you know, what you would traditionally call the younger generation. They're both mm -hmm. in their 60s. Um, and still they were the ones that picked up that flag and said, this is what's important to us. Um, and so I, again, you know, within the crew of Poseidon, once they did that, I saw a lot of the other crew members who were, you know, in, in the middle part of their life, you know, really, really excited about wooden beads and, and being able to replace a lot of the plastic that they're throwing next year for their parade uh, with these wooden items. Yeah, I think it's only going to get... Um you know, more momentum as more people do it. Are you worried about your capacity being able to fulfill all that? Or um, you Very think partners? <laughs> well, partnershiping, um, partnerships with other groups would help, right? But um, we need more and more people involved in helping um, create these alternatives, right? Absolutely. Yeah, this is something I cannot do on my own, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, at minimum, because I can't create every type of item, right? Like, at minimum, because I can only do so much, and, and people like the variety that comes along with, um, you know, multiple sources worth of creativity. And so I think it's important for people who think, you know, that, oh, there's already somebody doing this. I don't need to enter this field, or there's too much competition or whatever. Like, there is not. <laughs> there are not enough people doing this, and there's plenty of space for other people to join this cause, and, and it would only add to everyone's success in, in other people doing that. Um, but for me personally, you know, I see what I'm doing as being more catering to a small-scale customized need versus the large-scale replacement of plastic beads. And there are a lot of much better alternatives to what I'm doing that could replace um, the plastic beads we have today. It just requires buying power in order to um, have the manufacturers make very small changes to what they're doing in order to have really lasting impact. Uh, but without that buying power for, you know, at minimum one major crew, but, you know, preferentially m most of the major crews, there's just no way the change is going to happen in the way we need it to. Yeah, and then if you look at something like a really long parade, like a Demian, that goes on for hours and stuff, if they just said, well, I'm going to order from you, that would be a huge order in and of itself. But it would probably take a major crew like that to really push this, um, you know, more companies to get involved and say, I'm going to have this alternative or that alternative for people. Absolutely. But I think and it's... Sorry, go ahead. Um, well, I was just going to say it's really important that there is these alternatives because a lot of people that have any experience with any sort of um, heavy metal toxins with their children or even if they just had a negative experience with lead poisoning, you're just very weary about allowing your child to play with these items, and it causes you to maybe not want to let them participate 
in the festivities as much as you would if you didn't know anything, you know? And so I think it's important that you have these parades that have adopted these alternatives and that the option is there. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that you kind of hit it on the head there is, you know, it's not just about the immediacy of, of the interaction with these throws that's negative, but it's the lasting impact of then the interaction with carnival season and Mardi Gras as a whole. And, and it's such a huge and fun and important part of our culture because it does continue to breed creativity and community inclusiveness and all kinds of great things, you know, interacting with people that you never would have interacted with on a daily basis if you're riding in a crew or even if you're just standing on a Mardi Gras parade route. I, I can't count the number of friends I've made, you know, on the parade route. And so, you know, by really fixing how we look at Mardi Gras um, as being something that should be helpful for the community and whatever we're doing that's not helpful for the community needs to be readdressed and fixed. And I think that's how we're going to see kind of that lasting impact turn back to something that's positive. Yeah, and this is a way where kids can get involved in making their own decorations and their own beads and their own costumes is getting back to that. Whereas, you know, in a way from, like, it just being about a tourist, like, tourists come to town and we're trying to make, make X number of dollars off tourists or whatever, and some of these parades are not safe anymore because they have shootings afterwards. But if we got back to sort of the family fun that it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's all good. Um, what do you hope for the future? with um, what you're doing, and what do you think it would take to get there? Uh, what I really hope is that some of the major providers of Mardi Gras throws in the city, such as Beats by the Dozen and Plush Appeal, um, Jefferson Variety, they're the ones right now that have the immediate ability to make a change. I walked through all three of those stores this season, and the only one that was carrying anything eco-friendly was um, Plush Appeal. They had one half of an aisle dedicated to glass beads. They were all very small beads. They had no, like, large competitive with some of the larger specialty plastic beads. They had none of those in glass. Um, and then none of their plastic throw items had eco-friendly alternatives. And so what I'd really like to see kind of as a next step would at minimum to be those types of organizations bringing in, you know, the, the same plastic they're already bringing in, but give someone right next to that bin the eco-friendly alternative. So if you're bringing in a plastic tambourine, bring in wood tambourines too and put them next to the plastic tambourines and show people that they have the option to just make an easy change for themselves. You know, push it on the crews who are buying packages um, I know crews like Nick, like Endymion, you buy your package directly through the crew. And so it, could, it would be so easy for these places who are providing those packages to say, hey, we could source you a wooden version of this instead. And even if they just switch out that one item, it makes a huge impact in the long run. And I think, you know, taking that first step will show people how many riders and how many parade builders are interested in it and really pave the way to eliminating plastic altogether in the future.
Yeah, you have to first offer these alternatives and other options so people see that they are available. Right. Um, what could your average person do to move this sort of movement forward? Talk to the crews that they participate in? Absolutely, yes. I think, you know, the more times the board members of crews hear that their riders want, pla want something other than plastic or, or how often they feel it affect their pocketbooks. I know so many riders who stopped buying packages from their crews and started sourcing their own items because what was being given by the crews was all plastic. And so I think the more riders make that choice to source their own eco-friendly items so that it hurts the pocketbooks of, you know, the crews in that way, and also how often riders give feedback to their crews that that's what they're doing and that they want these eco-friendly options, um, that's going to start moving it forward. Um, but also they can go directly to the um, warehouses as well. Like I said, places like Plush Appeal and Beats by the Dozen, go talk directly to the, the salespeople and the store managers there and say, hey, I want this on your shelves. I will buy this if you put this on your shelves. And I think, you know, interacting with it in a monetary way like that will really start the process moving. I think we've tried to interact on this level, you know, by saying it's the right decision. Do this because it feels good. And it's just not working out. And so I think instead, if we focus on it as an aspect of commerce and say do this because it will make you money, do this because we are willing to buy it from you, and if you don't give it to us, we're going somewhere else. I think that's, you know, the next step of how we could move it forward on an individual level. Yeah, I think the first step is speaking out because you don't know how many people, like, stop participating because of their environmental concerns, and maybe they didn't say anything because they didn't think anything would be done. And sometimes yeah. things are not done right away. And sometimes you're that first crazy person that's like, you know, I care about the environment or whatever, but you're not crazy, and it's all right to say that you would want these alternatives because that would encourage somebody else to maybe speak up. And um, because there's probably more people than not who would like these alternatives. They just Absolutely. don't know how to ask for them or don't think they're available or think they might be too expensive or worried that they're going to get a lot of pushback, right? Yeah, or that it's just too hard. I mean, people like having their items float loaded. I think that's a big aspect to it, you know, being able to show up the day of your ride and having everything already on the float for you is huge for a lot of riders, especially the ones that come in from out of town. And so having no eco-friendly options within the packages themselves is really preventative for a lot of those people as well. Yeah, because people don't have time. They're very busy working and, you know, driving their kids around or doing this or that. So it's very convenient just to order your package at a one-stop, you know. And so they need to first offer it because you – personally might not have time to go investigate these different options, right, for yourself exactly. or, you know, because it's just very time-consuming. But I think if people are offered alternatives, they will want to pick the right choice if it is available to them. And I think just with the way we have flooding problems here and the pumps are old and not working and the drainage are all clogged, we need to look at 
more and more alternatives from just a bunch of plastic going down the drain and not getting cleaned out, you know, because we have to pay for that later. Yep. And um, we already have lead in our water because we've been testing the water with LSU and there's lead in everybody's water. And the plastic just contributes to more um, groundwater pollution, more lead in our rivers, and it's going to impact, you know, the whole environment. So I think what you're doing is very important to educate people that there is alternatives. And even if they just do it for themselves, that's making a small difference because people are going to be like, oh, these beads are really nice. Where'd you get them, right? Exactly. And they're going to want to know how to do that for themselves. So if people are interested in getting in touch with your company, how do they go about that? On Facebook? So, yep, on Facebook and Instagram. I purposely have not launched a website yet because I, I cannot take orders until after Mardi Gras. But yeah. if you have both a Facebook and an Instagram that can be found um, just under the name Purpose Green and Gold, uh, G-O-A-L-S. And um, I'm happy to take small orders through both of those for the time being and then um, keep your eye out for the website to follow, again, under the name Purpose Green and Goals. And if anybody maybe wants to help volunteer or whatever for next season with you, they can do that or spread the word. Yes. I have some very exciting workshops on, on the horizon. Um, and I don't want to give too many details away, but we will be partnering with some local businesses who are interested in sponsoring um, kind of beading workshops that you'll see around town in the coming probably six months. And so people can choose to either come learn how to string and buy beads for themselves as a rider to throw or for their friends, or they can choose to come in and just string for another rider that they don't know and donate them, you know, kind of to the cause. And so you'll see that um, posted on, on both the Facebook and Instagram in the coming months. Well, that's very exciting. And so I thank you for taking the time to talk with us and to explain what you're doing. And um, we're very excited and think it has a lot of possibilities for the future. And we're hoping next season more crews take advantage of alternatives and spread the word. And so we'll keep up with you to see what's going on. Uh, well, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you. All right. You have been listening to Spotlight on WAMF LP New Orleans on 90.3 FM and streaming at WAMF.org. A recording of this broadcast and subsequent broadcasts are available at SouthernUnitedNeighborhoods.org.